This is Channel 253. In this episode of We Art Tacoma. Somebody who is that conscientious about following the arts coverage will not only get a sense of what's going on in their town, but they'll get a feel exactly for the people who are commenting. And and that's way different from just this random blogger or voice on Rotten Tomatoes saying, you know, this is crap. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. This is the We Art Tacoma podcast. Welcome to another episode of We Art Tacoma. I'm your host, Eric Hanberg. I'm cold. I am too. <laughs> How are you doing cold, producer Doug? Besides well, the, that. the studio is suitably warm, but outside it's a little chilly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is the first episode of the new year. Is it too late to say Happy New Year? No, no, no. Happy no. New Year, Doug. Yeah, Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh, and our first guest is Rosemary Ponaconti, who has a variety of things that she's up to, Tacoma Ocean Fest and all sorts of things. But I really wanted to talk to her about her um, uh, time as the Tacoma Arts Critic. She was doing that for many years, and uh, it's an important topic right now. And so why don't we give it a listen? Australian accent ear candy. (laughs) Enjoy. And we are back. Happy New Year. Our first episode of the year is with Rosemary Ponaconti. Welcome to the podcast, Rosemary. Thanks for having me here, Eric. So um, among uh, right now you're doing uh, communications for the zoo and trek, and you are the director of T- Tacoma Ocean Fest. Do I have that right? That is correct, yes. Okay. But I'm really interested for this conversation at least to talk about your experience as the art critic for the News Tribune. When did you start in that uh, role? I took on that job in 2006, and for those who remember Jen Graves, yep. she had just left and gone to The Stranger. Yep. I had arrived in town about a year and a bit before that. We came here from Houston. I'm originally from Australia, as you can hear from my accent. It was a sort of a long roundabout story that it included <laughs> a classical music career and some partial study in Houston, Texas, and evolving into uh, magazine journalism. Anyway, when we were up here in Tacoma, Jen left. I was emerging from baby land Mm, with my two kids, and I thought, right, that's my job right there. So I applied, and I got it. Wow. And I served as the News Tribune's arts reporter and also general features for 11 years. Wow. Yeah. And so that would have been up until about 2017 or so? exactly, yeah. Okay. And I thought that this was a really interesting conversation to have, especially after reading what ended up being a very, very long thread uh, on Lisa, Lisa Kinoshita's Facebook page talking about why isn't there an art critic in Tacoma and where, where are the critics and what do we have to get this back? Um, and I thought that was a really good jumping off point and uh, especially to talk to the former art, art critic. So... I just want to start, uh, thank Lisa for uh, teeing, teeing up this conversation. Oh my gosh, that was the most amazing thread. Everybody was, kept jumping in. Everyone has an opinion. I mean, it's, it's like criticism. Everyone has an opinion. Yes. <laughs> I'm curious, just from, from your, your angle, how did you approach being the art critic for those 11 years? What, did you have a philosophy? How, how did you think about that job? 
Yes. And I did have a philosophy and it was very much grounded in everything I have read. And I'm a nerd. I have always read a lot um, of stuff. And I, I guess I'm one of those people that reads the New York Times art criticism, like, you know, all the time anyway. Um, so a lot of it was grounded in some very educated, thoughtful people. And I myself come from an arts background. I, as I said, I was a classical musician for that. That's the, that's one, two of my degrees. What, what did you play? Double bass, oh, wow. professionally. But I also now I, I also play organ and piano. And now I'm a semi-professional church organist. Wow. And I play flute for fun and guitar and a couple of other things. Oh. So I had a big background in music, plus also dance. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of ballet growing up and playing for ballet, playing for theatre. Um, I did art history in university. So I, I had the education and I, that's the first thing that I think arts criticism needs to be, is educated. I'm not at all saying that other people can't have opinions and other people do and they're often very, very valuable. But if you're going to put your name to something and especially be paid to do something and have sometimes people's reputations riding on it, mm. I think you need to know what you're talking about and be prepared to keep learning about it. So yeah. that's the first thing, to be educated, to to be intelligent, to think about what you say, to be objective. And that's... That's a tricky thing. That's a very tricky thing. And that's what we're losing, I think, when, you know, newspapers and other traditional media are going down the tube, is people who are literally paid not to have a side. And if they have a side, to at least acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. Um. And then the fourth element after those three would be being caring. And I think a lot of arts critics are not. They're kind of, you know, snarky for the sake of it. Or, 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 yeah. or, or I, yeah, you know what I, I mean? I read many, I, I loved Roger Ebert as a film critic when he was alive. And every so often, like you could sense the glee in which he tore down a movie. Mm -hmm. Um and maybe, you know, for may, maybe that works in that situation, but I'm not sure it would have worked in Tacoma. Yeah. And I think in a town, I think you've hit the nail on the head. In a place in a place like New York where there are dozens of arts critics, oh, great. You can be as snarky as you want. You can be the snarky critic. Somebody else can be the, the lovely critic. But right. if, if there's only one or two people covering the arts in a town like Tacoma, they have to be invested in the town and in the arts scene. And if they say something um, negative, it has to be done with constructive feedback in mind, as in, if I say this, it will hopefully make it better next time. And I'll, I'll give you a good example because yes, please. I, Sophie, one of the, one of the banes of any kind of arts is the repetitive event. So musicians play the Nutcracker year after year after year. Right. Dancers dance the Nutcracker year right. after year after year. Right. And arts critics have to find something new to say about it. And and I'm I'm hoping Erin Sarah Jolly is listening to this, the director of Tacoma City Ballet, because uh, I I I kept saying nothing new. They're doing the same old Russian production every single time, which is kind of sets. part of the joy of a Christmas production. Some people want to see the same the, old, yes. same old. However, um, in the world of the arts, I think it pays to evolve, sure, and say something new, even if only slightly. Well, after getting a bit annoyed at me, she took me at my word. And she would be the first person to tell you that she thought long and hard about this. She went away and did her research on the original, um, uh, I think it's the uh, Houseman story on the Nutcracker. Okay. Found a kind of a prequel plot about how the Nutcracker came to be the Nutcracker, in fact, and created a prequel ballet on it. 
Is that the, the... And that's the tale of the hard nut. And I didn't she, realize that was original to Tacoma City Ballet. Wow. Yes. And she she created that ballet based on my suggestion that they try something a bit new. When when you write something like that, I love that story, by the way. And, and I guess it, it tees up this question. There's different kinds of arts criticism. One of them is, I mean, just use Siskel and Ebert, like thumbs up, thumb down. Should you see this? Should you not? There's one where you're engaging with the creator itself and, as you said, like trying to be help the next one where you're really writing to the production people who made the production more than the audience. Mm -hmm. And then there's kind of the like English major arts criticism that just is analyzing it for symbols and things like that. How did you approach the job? A bit of all three. Okay. Because I think first and foremost, you write for readers. The audience. The audience. And there's all sorts of people in that audience. There are very educated people like yourself who are professional writers who definitely have their own opinion and they want to read something new, interesting, something that they haven't thought of themselves. There are complete newbies who've never been to a ballet or heard any music or anything like that. And then there are all the people in the middle also who are maybe just cruising through seeing what to do on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. So a bit of all three. Yeah. Yeah. How would you uh, – and I, I, I'm delving into some of these questions because I think as people say, like, we need art criticism, I think it's, you know, what kind are we talking about? And I think it's also really important to think about, like, how does the method of art criticism work? So on a random, you know, October, how would you go about figuring out, like, what are the stories that you're going to work on? How do you – are you trying to balance, you know, every symphony, ballet – you know, like, like, like there's, there are, and, and when you were covering it, the arts were growing. Um, there's a lot of arts. How do you figure out what's, what's worth spending your time on? What's worth writing up? Yeah. And that's a, that's such a good question because it, in fact, it mirrors what the average person thinks about when they want to spend their money right. on, on a Saturday night. Um, I, I did have some other considerations. So I tried to be as equal and fair as I could. Mm-hmm. I didn't just want to write about the symphony all the time to the exclusion of everybody else. Um, on the other hand, I wanted to acknowledge that they are a semi-full-time organization that was doing often new things every month or two. So there's that kind of equality. I tried to mix up genres and cultures to the extent that I felt capable of doing that. Yep. I tried to mix previews and reviews. So criticism, I mean, an art critic, people think of a review, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of it, but I, I did as many previews as reviews just because it also helps arts organizations get an audience. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that was part of what I decided. And then a lot of it is literally just looking around thinking, is that new? Is that interesting? Is that something a bit different for them? Is it a stretch? Or is it something that people need to know about? Is it a huge chunk of government money that's just been spent on a big mural? So there's, there's an element of accountability as well. Sure. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, when you started, I can't remember if this, if like Ernest Jasmine was there, but, but the, at the very least, let's just say the Tribune had a lot more writers than by the time you left <laughs> in 2017. Mm. And you, at the beginning, probably had other people who were writing for the Tribune. So maybe you couldn't get to th- this play, but maybe someone else could, or Ernest Jasmine was covering you know, the eagles at the dome, and you didn't have to worry about that. But pretty, over that course of time, it got slimmer and slimmer. What did that do to the job? Did How did it get harder in that way? 
there's a whole lot more to do and you're only one person and you can't do it all. And so then it starts to feel a bit unfair on on the groups that you're covering because you just can't do it all. And as Tacoma grew and it is still growing uh, and also, frankly, sinking more public money into the arts, Mm -hmm. um, there's just more stuff going on. And a lot of it is really great stuff and one person can only cover so much. So that was a bit frustrating for me at the Tribune um, after EJ left and 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 then Soren stopped writing, you know, movie reviews, right. and Alec got cut back a little bit, although he's still covering theatre. Hmm. So that's uh, that's the frustrating part of that. And so when people say Tacoma needs an arts critic, the first thing I would say is no, they need several. Oh yeah, we need like five. Yeah, as you said, we need the snarky one, and then the one who's covering, you know, who has the deep background in classical music, and the one who is really interested in what's happening at McMinimins and knows this is an Indian upcoming band. And some of those are people who are just doing it from a labor of love, and some of those should be paid. Like we need all, we need all of those people. Exactly, you need the whole gamut, and and you need enough of them yeah. because the when there's so much going on, you need to be covering you know multiple stories a week. I I when I wrote for the trip, I wrote maybe five or six stories every week. Wow. Yes, people don't know that. That's a, that's a ton. <laughs> That's a ton of stories. They were not all super long, and they were not all, like, in-depth reporting. Well, plus you also, I mean, some of them, for a lot of them, you would have to go see whatever it is, that, you know, so there's not yes. just the writing time. Exactly. Or, yeah. or if it were a preview, calling the person or going to a rehearsal. So so I would say that's the minimum to cover what is going on in this town. If anybody is out there thinking of starting up an arts publication, I would say start there and grow. Because you, there's just so much going on and people need to know about it. And you do need the breadth of voice, like you said. Um, you yeah. need you need experts. You need maybe something more esoteric. You also need maybe somebody who's a poet and, and covering art. Cultural critics like Chris Jordan, uh, yeah. when, when he, you know, he was very upset with how things were going at Tacoma Art Museum. Like there was that period of time where post-defiance – you there there were people in the milieu who were talking about these things, and it did seem like maybe we had this mix of people, and then and then budgets and all of that stuff. Yes, and you absolutely need a mix of uh, cultural voices, right. a mix of races, ethnicities, genders, ages, all that kind of thing. And obviously, one person can't cover all that. Right, and you get the benefit. And, and you know, this is again, I keep going back to Roger Ebert. I apologize, but like oh, I'd read. <laughs> I almost every movie I've seen I probably have read his review of it if it existed. And the benefit of that to me as a moviegoer is I got to know his voice so much like I I knew when he I disagreed with him. Like I disagreed with him on this and this and this, but like I could tell because I knew his his inherent biases, I knew where he was coming from on all of these different things. Like that is the benefit of having a mix of voices is you can you can figure that out. Um, and just having an, an arts critic is, is not enough because you, you just have one and it's too easy to get mad at that person because they didn't like the play that you liked or, you know, whatever it is. Like, like exactly. that's, that's the trick. Yes. And I totally agree about knowing somebody's voice and following them over a period of time. Uh, and I I found that with myself. You know, I'd have people like Lynn Nino, who's a um, sort of sculptural installation artist in town, uh, write about me in the third person. It's kind of funny. <laughs> but, if, well, Rosemary didn't like it. But, of course, that means that blah, 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 blah. And she had me figured out. 
And I appreciated that more than I can she say. She had me figured out. I feel like uh, I, I hope we can get that quote to her. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, she she knows that I love her very much. So she, yeah, somebody who is that conscientious about following the arts coverage will not only get a sense of what's going on in their town, but they'll get a feel exactly for the people who are commenting. And and that's way different from just this random blogger or voice on Rotten Tomatoes saying, you know, this is crap. Right. Because you, maybe it is crap, but you don't know this person. You don't know what their standards for crap are yeah. and whether they're right or wrong or educated enough to even know right. or whether they have just made something that's in competition with it and yeah. they want to diss it so that they get the grant or they get the audience. Yeah. You don't know that. Right. So there were other things in that thread around, you know, like what, what do we need? Or is there anything that stood out to you as being like, oh, that's a, that's a good idea or that's something that we should talk about? Like anything that, that you want to... Uh, just mentioned that, that that's been boiling up around this topic for you? Well, I totally agree with Tamika Nomura, who said that you definitely need people of color. Yep. And that's that's a given. Um, we, we need a diversity of race and color in every facet of life. And arts criticism is, is exactly the same, especially to cover stuff in this town. I liked Lisa's balance between... Uh, somebody who does it for a job or knows what they're talking about, and then just the occasional fresh view and fresh yeah. voice. Yeah. That really resonated with me. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, but I I have to say, it's. I would love this to happen, but it takes money. Yeah, that, that's where some of this conversation can get kind of bleak because it's yeah. like, well, you know, yes, everyone wants mm-hmm. this. The, the, the We Are Tacoma podcast, like when I conceived of this, I intentionally didn't set out to try to make a review show because I didn't know why someone would tune into a podcast to listen to me talk about like the play that I saw last night. Like I, I wasn't sure that that was, that that was anything. I think podcasts are really good for getting to know people, for having roundtable conversations, you know, for having getting to know the people behind the art scene of Tacoma. Like, like that is really the goal of this podcast. And it's and it was also conceived like trying to fill a need, but also recognizing that like the need was far, far greater than what like this little podcast can do. So so I also have that sense of like I wanted to get in there, I wanted to do something. But it's 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 not art criticism. Like it can't it can't be because it's just not it's not the right format and it's not and I'm also not the right art critic. But <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a lot and, there. And you're a writing artist yourself. And right. And and I, you know, I uh, with all due respect to you know professional artists that also do criticism, of which there are some. It is really hard to be unbiased. Um, I was think I was think it's interesting that like those you know New York Times review of books will choose other novelists to review other yeah. books. Like I, I'm always like, is that is that the right choice? I don't know. I know. Yeah, what's going on between those two people? Are they vying for the same <laughs> dollars? And, uh, yeah, it's 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 very it's very hard to do that. But if you've got a a, a mix of people, then you can avoid that little right. pitfall. And I think I think this podcast is brilliant in, as well, you say, you. getting <laughs> Well, thank you. <laughs> well, of course. Um, no, seriously, in, in terms of getting to know the people. And I did my share of people stories as well because that is vital to understanding an art scene as well. Right. Um, and you're right, podcasts are the probably the best one of the best mediums for doing that for doing something like yeah. that yeah but you you need a range of things and that's you know so uh, you know if i could have my dream an all encompassing uh, digital site that had podcasts and stories and videos and photos and uh, uh, 
obviously a very robust calendar because you absolutely need that to compete with the Facebook calendar. Um, Jeez, yeah. I, I mean, and, and the problem with the calendar, though, a robust calendar is, is that then it just gets overwhelming, too. It's like... <laughs> well, it gets overwhelming, and that's frankly where you also need, if not an arts critic, then at least an arts reporter to kind of curate a little list. Not in the sense of only see these five things, or right. these f- five things are the only five things that matter, but here's a start. You know, here are the five top things that I picked out. And that's so useful because, yeah, an entire calendar of stuff is overwhelming and people just shut their eyes and walk away. But they can take in five things. Right. Let's take a quick break and then uh, we'll come back and talk about this a little bit more. Okay. This is Nate Bowling, Alaska Air MVP and host of the Nerd Farmer podcast. There are three places I call home right now. The first is Tacoma, OBS. The second is Abu Dhabi, where I'm teaching for the next two years. And the third place I feel like home is on board an Alaska Airlines flight, sipping on Northwest beer and watching free movies. When you spend as much time on an airplane as I do, you come to appreciate the finer things that Alaska Airlines provides. It's because at Alaska, customer service comes first. I see it in all the little details that make the experience of flying better. Free messaging and free movies on select flights, and of course, that signature fruit and cheese plate. When I fly, I don't even look at the travel sites. I go straight to alaskaair.com and book. Thank you, Alaska Airlines, for your longtime support of Channel 253. Welcome back. Thank you to our sponsor, and thank you to the members of uh, Channel 253 who are supporting this podcast and all of our other shows. Uh, you can subscribe at channel253.com slash membership, $4 a month or $40 a year. Uh, we're not arts criticism, but you can still help us out anyway. So what do you think overall the state of the arts is in Tacoma outside of just arts criticism? Like, are we doing pretty well? You know, I think we're doing really well. Yeah, me too. I'm so, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I, As I said, I, we arrived here in 2004, I think it was, at the end of the year. And so I've seen 15 years of Tacoma go by. Yeah. And it's just getting better and better. When I first arrived, in fact... Lynn will also remember my famous first story writing about Tacoma was for the Seattle Post-Intelligencer, and it was Tacoma's finally emerging from this kind of smelly, gritty, oh yeah, awful state. There were lots of stories about like that then, <laughs> and well, and and it partly was true. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's what made it a good story. So, yeah, and and lately, oh my gosh, the Tacoma creates. Um, voting that yep. I'm so excited so amazing. about what that is going to produce. Um, but even so, you know, the, the the classical music groups are just going from strength to strength. The community theaters are hanging in there. It's, it's Tacoma's really finding what works, I think. Do, did you, maybe, maybe you're going to deny this, but I'm, I'm just curious, like, did you ever like say something was like, good for Tacoma or what did it have to be like good even if it was in Seattle or like like how is is there a sliding scale for a critic when they're writing about that at the time I'm curious how you thought about that yes and no yeah so there are places and organizations that show or uh, stage um, international quality work museums obviously that comes to mind get international quality exhibits um, performing arts groups can bring in international performers and uh, and so on. However, I think we've got to look at the reality of this and say, especially in the performing arts, 
performing artists need to, to, to succeed at their career and, and nothing else, in other words, they don't have a day job supporting them, they need to live in a big enough city that, that there's work there and that there's other artists and that there's money and that there's performing venues and um, and Tacoma's not there yet. Yeah. So the people that live around here, and I'm thinking the musicians or the actors or the dancers, they all do something else as well to make a living, mm-hmm. whether it's teaching or running a studio or maybe they cruise up and down the western seaboard performing. Um, and the result of dividing your time like that means that you're – Maybe less time Maybe for less, practice or something yeah, like that. Yeah, less likely to be, you know, as top-notch. And obviously the top-notch people are mainly going to live in the big cities so they can commute more easily. Or to, they live in Tacoma mm-hmm. and and get paid in Seattle. Now, I mean, yes. So, and now there are big exceptions to this. Um, I know a lot of, you know, international quality uh, opera singers who live around here and they frequently travel to other big cities right. and, and it's easy for them to do. But... Um, it's, you know, it's harder for the rest of us. Um, visual artists as well. There are a lot of extremely good visual artists here because it's cheaper to live here. Yep. And it's a very friendly city from the city point. But there's no buyers But here. there's no buyers. And Lisa made this point in her thread. And so they have to go to Seattle or Portland or whatever to sell their work. And I right. think Tacoma needs to acknowledge that too. So in terms of what that means for an arts critic, a sliding scale... There's a little bit of that. And I think you're wrong if you're an arts critic and you come to a town like Tacoma and you judge it like it's New York. I think that that's very fair. That's just mean, yeah. right? And and, and uh, to add to that, I would also never um, review amateur or student organizations without acknowledging right. that that's This high school was... jazz band sucked. <laughs> Don't go I see know. them. <laughs> I know. You just, that's just wrong. No, so, absolutely. There's context. How, um, <laughs> sorry, I, I made myself laugh. I, that might be, I, I like to do that. I uh, threw myself off a of, off of track. So when I do think, and, and the reason I asked that question then is because I do think that, at least I see it in food for sure, that like there's less of that where it's like, you you, you know, it's good for Tacoma. Like there, there's just more of these things. Part of that is the influx of all these people. Part of that is the funding um, it does feel like maybe Tacoma's art scene is is a bigger deal than just in Tacoma. Maybe like I feel like we are attracting people who want a variety, you know, the friendly, welcoming spirit um, that I think culturally we have and has still survived, even though we are adding new people. Um, I think maybe maybe we could become a big deal in the art world at some point. I think we have you know close to a major market. Um, all of those things. Yeah, and I agree. And certainly plenty of our musicians and dancers and artists have gone out into the big wide world and made a success of themselves. And then they had the choice. Do they stay out there? Yes. And keep finding financial success or do they come back to to Tacoma? Well, and let's not judge them if they stay out there. I mean, and and I remember David Bowe, when he was on the city council, he wanted to celebrate um, Fred Russell Company, Frank Frank Russell Company leaving, Fred Russell, Frank Russell Company leaving. Um, he's like, you know, they graduated. Like, like let's. This is a great place to start a business. And and I thought mm-hmm. it was very strange at the time, but I kind of get it now. You know, like mm-hmm. like if if Vicky Martinez is going to go off and be in Orange Is the New Black, mm-hmm. like like we shouldn't 
we shouldn't be like, no, stay in Tacoma where you can't be on Netflix. I mean, like, that doesn't make sense. Yes, and I totally agree. And as an Australian, I I know this um, point very, very deeply because that is Australia in a nutshell. Yeah. What I've just described about Tacoma, about limited uh, resources and opportunities and money, um, that's what all of Australia can be like in certain arts disciplines. Hmm. It's not as bad as it was. Um, it's definitely getting better. But we're a small country compared to some right. other big countries like the US and right. certainly compared to Europe. And you've sometimes you've just got to leave. My, to, my to wife make has, a, has a podcast about the Miss Fisher, uh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, which is an Australian TV show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, and she's like, it seems like every actor in Australia was in this show because like she'll see people reused and like, like yeah. 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 So it's so I know this topic well. Do you leave or do you stay? If you leave, are you kind of betraying where you came from? And if you stay, are you settling for less or admitting defeat? And I don't find that a very useful conversation. Right. And the people in the hometown or home country should not be the ones having that conversation. They should be the cheer squad. Celebrating their their successes on, on exactly. the big stage. Where, wherever that artist chooses to end up. Um, and I did want to say one other huge part about arts criticism, which some people, well, quite a lot of people do not know unless they are artists or organizers themselves. And one really essential function of criticism, and I am saying criticism here as opposed to just a preview, is that it helps the artist get grants. Hmm. How so? So grants and donations from, you know, charitable foundations sure. and corporations, they have to have some kind of measure, like, you know, thousands of people ask them for money. How are they going to decide right. who they're going to give it to? There needs to be some unbiased uh, opinion or validation of, and obviously numbers are some kind of validation. Okay, we get 2,000 people at each concert. That tells you to, something, yeah. Right, right. But... Uh, so if you're just starting and you don't have 2,000 people at your concert, then what do you have? Well, maybe you have a review from an educated, unbiased, um, believable reporter at a, you know, good publication. Yeah. And you can waive that and maybe get your grant. And the other, uh, the other ways that they benefit is connecting with audiences as well that they may not otherwise reach Mm -hmm. because hopefully that arts critic has a broader reach. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that we, we missed about art criticism that you want you know, <laughs> to, that, yeah, that I, I just, didn't know to I ask? Just, I just wanted to throw that in there just because it's, it's always intrigued me how many people don't actually know that. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, and uh, I think uh, one of the papers in Michigan, I'm trying to remember which one, they closed down and they, they stopped their arts reporting and somebody from the arts community did a survey and two years down the track and found that so many of their arts groups had declined or closed. Wow. It's that, that link is that direct. Wow. Yeah. Is there anything um, that, I mean, you talked about like, wouldn't it be great if, if uh, this happened, you know, the digital site with photos and all of that. Is there anything that you see that um, like you've seen work elsewhere that you think could work in Tacoma? Well, somebody that's on, maybe not quite that, but like exactly. A, a, yeah. Well, somebody raised, and I forget who it was. I apologize that I've forgotten your name. But on that thread of Lisa Kanishita's, they raised the example of glass tire, which is. Oh, a, did you say glass tire? Glass tire. So, G. I'm sorry for my Australian accent. G L A S S T I R E dot com. It's a Houston arts publication, a visual art 
mostly. And I got to know it when I lived in Houston, and I was most impressed at the quality of the art coverage and the writing, and it really just celebrated everything that was Houston art, hmm. the Houston art scene, from the Menil Collection and the Museum of Fine Arts Houston to all the way down to the Art Car Parade and all the quirky little things. And I was... I. Coming to into Houston, I just assumed it had always been there, like the Houston Chronicle. No, apparently it started as a grassroots community effort. So this person said on Lisa's thread. So that's a great example yeah. of what people can do when they all decide that they want more arts coverage. That's great. Yeah. Arts Journal is another one. Um, Doug McLennan's site in Seattle, but it's wider than Seattle now. It's more of an aggregator. It just pulls in stories from elsewhere, but mm -hmm. that's certainly still really useful. Yeah. Yeah. Is there um, – so I often ask people at the end of the podcast if there's like a person or an organization that they want to give a gold star to. And I guess – I want to tailor it to you. Is there any organization who over the course of your career like flourished and blossomed in a way that you just want to say anything about right now? I, that's such a hard question. <laughs> You're asking me to name a favorite, and that's and it not, doesn't have to be a favorite. I'm not it, an it arts could just critic, be, it just, and, but I something that maybe like started one. small and got and got really grew really in a nice way, in a way that you just admire or something like that. Well, I have to say, SpaceWorks did hmm. extremely well with that, and I know people have opinions about SpaceWorks, but it's it started off just as an idea to fill empty spaces. Yeah. And it's still doing that. Um, but so it's, much more. It's so much more than that now. It's a sort of an incubator for entrepreneurs and local businesses and uh, giving people workshops and how to do their taxes and just connecting people. Um, I've, I've joked yeah. that Spaceworks has saved a lot of people money because they, they got into it and they're like, oh, this is a terrible business idea. I shouldn't spend $20,000 of my home exactly. equity to do it. Like, right. Yeah. And and without too much investment on their part. And yet it has brought to the people of Tacoma this like wealth of Yeah, because it also then does Fascinating project. Then you get great businesses out of it as well. So it saves some people and then it makes other people uh, rise to new heights. Exactly. And it took what is a Tacoma problem, but it's a problem elsewhere, which is empty commercial space. Right. And a, and a downtown, I won't say in decline, but a downtown that had been in decline, let's say that, yep. and made it into a solution and an opportunity for culture. Yeah. I think if I was keeping a running tally of answers to that question, I think Space, Mer Space Works might be number one <laughs> on that list, uh, followed by maybe Amy McBride. <laughs> well, I have to say, though, that there, there are many individuals and Absolutely. groups in Tacoma who have just consistently worked to grow and push the arts in this city, and I want to applaud them all. So, yeah. 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 And you have, uh, later th uh, later this year, you have a cool project coming up with uh, Ocean Fest. Do you want to just give a plug for that real quick? Yeah. This is, to I should start from the beginning. Tacoma Ocean Fest is a free one-day festival happening on June 7th, Sunday, June 7th, and it happens every year on World Ocean Weekend. It's at the Foss Waterway Seaport. And it's a festival that I actually started three years ago. I think that's so cool. With just a grant and a dream. And now I, it's it's become a thing. And it, basically it's arts and sciences and having fun on the water with kayaks and things to celebrate the ocean and learn about the problems that are threatening it and yeah. how we can all protect it. I will tell you, 
I came to the first one and it was already a thing. Like it didn't take three years to become a thing. I could not oh, believe how many people you. were there. Um, there were there were great vendors. There was uh, a lot to do. I think I tried my very first virtual reality experience where I like yes, got to swim that. with a, a, a whale or something awesome. like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really cool. Thank you. And I would like to have you back on the podcast maybe when we get closer to uh, talk more about that and maybe we can bring some of those art and science folks to talk about how those blend because I think that that's a really interesting uh, overlap. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Is there a website for that? There is. TacomaOceanFest.org Okay. Well, thank you everyone uh, for listening. Uh, If you want to go start an arts website, uh, please do. (laughs) And and hire me. (laughs) And hire Rosemary. There you go. No, just joking. I have a great job, but you know, somebody (laughs) needs to be hired. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you, Rosemary, for uh, sharing your background experience in uh, in this, and uh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Channel 253 is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. I'm Nate Bowling, and I fly Alaska. To book your next trip, go to alaskaair.com. The We Art Tacoma podcast is part of the Channel 253 network. Check out our other shows, Nerd Farmer, Interchangeable White Ladies, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.